Welcome to Nostalgia Marcana. I'm your host, Doug Leaf. Each episode of this podcast, we will look back on the pop cultural ephemera that remains in our cultural zeitgeist today and try to understand why we remain enchanted all these years later. This week, we will be revisiting... No, no, go easy on the wee one. His father's gonna go crazy and chop mole into haggis. What's haggis? <gasps> Boy, you read my thoughts. You've got the shining. You mean shining. Shh, you wanna get sued? Trick-or-treating, bobbing for apples, wearing costumes, carving pumpkins. Uh, These are the classic Halloween traditions. But today, we are talking about uh, another Halloween tradition, one that's been around since the early 90s, and that is the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Every year, we are treated to a new set of usually Halloween-flavored parodies of uh, of pop culture through the satirical lens of uh, Matt Groening's magnum opus. But uh, before we get into the details of the the Halloween Treehouse of Horror specials, um, we have a special guest today. This is our first time having a guest on the podcast, hopefully the first of many. And I don't know how I managed to swing this guest, but it's my sister, (laughs) Amy Baum. (laughs) Say hi. Hi. All right. So um, since this is a nostalgia piece, I I know that we both love The Simpsons. That's Mm -hmm. why you're here. Oh, yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit about like where The Simpsons fits in for you nostalgically? Like, what's your first memories of it, and and then specifically the the Halloween stuff? Um, I'm pretty sure I've watched it since the beginning. I remember, I think Dad had a tape of like the sketches that were probably from the Tracy Ullman show. Really? Okay, I don't even remember that, but go on. Um, I remember watching that first Christmas one where they got the dog. The pilot, yeah, that yes. was the pilot episode of The Simpsons. And then I'm sure I watched it pretty much all through elementary school, junior high, high school, um, probably most some of college, probably by law school. I really wasn't watching it as much anymore. Yeah, well, that's most people. Um, <laughs> you know, the golden age of The Simpsons is really from, I would say, about season three to like, if you're being charitable, maybe season 13, which is not to say that like modern Simpsons is bad. If you dip back into it, there's usually something there to enjoy. But like that first that early, what's I guess now the first third of the run, um, that is truly, you know, I think where The Simpsons lives. Like, that's the the best stuff. My my memories of it, obviously, are not too different from you since we grew up in the same house. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but I definitely remember being on board from, like, episode one um, and really loving that first season because at the time, there just was nothing like it. There was no, uh, there was no primetime animation. The, the closest you got to anything uh, approaching that level was, like, the Flintstones being a a semi well a, basically a straight rip off of the Honeymooners, but it was all dinosaur puns and stuff and rock puns, and it wasn't witty in any particular way. Like this was the first time that primetime animation had been done, and actually was not just a success, but like a monster success. The Simpsons was a phenomenon, even in its first season. Oh, of course. I don't remember cartoons of the 80s ever being that witty. I mean, I was no, fairly, I was pretty young. I mean, it, it, when we were when we were growing up, like, cartoons were for kids. There was no... The closest thing you got to any kind of cartoon that was meant for adults, there were a handful of weird-ass, like... There's, like, that Ralph Bakshi movie, Fritz the Cat, which is, like, an X-rated cartoon. And that heavy metal cartoon that's like, you know, a good 45% boobs. 
But that's not, again not witty. That's just you know it's got kind of grown up content in it. Um, other or, or maybe there were things like Doonesbury as like a, car, a strip, a political satire sh- cartoon strip. But for animation, like yeah, everything from our era was just here. Uh, here's an action figure. Go buy it. Like go buy a Transformer. Go buy a GI Joe. Mm-hmm. Go buy a Ninja Turtle. Um, which is not to say those things aren't fun. And on a nostalgia podcast, we'll definitely talk about them at some point. But The Simpsons is definitely is a different animal entirely. How about the Halloween stuff? Do you remember when that came around? Because it actually shows up in the second season when they did the first one of those episodes. Right, because this was actually reviewing for this. was probably the first time I really watched it on Disney+. Plus. I mean, they show reruns on, I don't know, FX or something. But, yeah. Which then, Disney now owns. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, so, like, because I think I was, like, looking for the ones we were reviewing. And I was, like, looking in season one. I'm like, there's no Halloween one here. No, yeah. I mean, season one is, if you go back and watch it, is it's a much more... It's much closer to what you would call a conventional sitcom. Right. (laughs) They didn't figure out what they were, I think, really until seasons. Definitely sometime around the beginnings of season two and definitely into season three, they started becoming very Mm self-aware and realizing like, oh, we can use this medium and, and these characters as basically like almost chess pieces on a comedy chessboard to do certain things, to make certain points, to tell Mm -hmm certain kinds of jokes so like um to to plug my other podcast a podcast but evil we did an episode on mr burns and we kind of talked about how mr burns is basically just an equation which is like these old people jokes plus out of touch billionaire jokes and and maybe like just evil jokes and that's it like that's all mr burns is as a character for the most part um every once in a while the simpsons will surprise you by trying to wring pathos out of these characters but generally, you know, it's like it's literally like Homer writes on his hand, Lenny White, Carl Black, like to some <laughs> degree. That's kind of what they are. They are um, they are just, you know, these tools to use for for satirical purposes. So tell me a little bit about, you know, again, your experience with the Halloween episodes, like when you first you know, what do you remember about them from the 90s? Mm, let's see. Well, I mean, I remember enjoying them. I remember them being very funny. I mean, I, I mean, horror wasn't my go-to genre back then. It still wasn't. So, I mean, some of the ones, like, obviously, like, one we're going to talk about is The Shinning. Obviously, when I watched it back in the 90s, I thought it was funny, but I hadn't seen the movie yet. Well, that's true for a lot of these, I think. You right. know, we, these were, we were not at the right age to have recognized the source material. Or, and right. even if you knew what they were parodying, you maybe hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, th- that, that gap kind of got filled in later as I got older and, saw these movies and went back and was like, oh, okay, they're doing this Twilight Zone episode that I had mm-hmm. never seen, but maybe had heard of. But the, the Halloween episodes themselves uh, were, were always like an event. Like that was the, mm-hmm. that was like, it was easily one of the best episodes of the year. Oh yeah. And they always had the twist endings that were always fun. Well, and they had the freedom to do things out of continuity. And that, that's not to say that Simpsons has much in the way of continuity, um, every once in a while they will make a permanent change. Like a character will die. Mm-hmm. Um, or AKA like, Mod Flanders. Mod Flanders <laughs> will die. Uh, yeah. Marvin Monroe will die. <laughs> Bleeding Gums Murphy dies. Or like, uh, you know, Apu has kids and then mm-hmm. the kids are a part of the show. Yeah. Um, but generally the Simpsons continuity is uh, syndication based continuity right. where mm-hmm. everything at the end of the episode has to be exactly as it was at the beginning of the episode so that they could be shown in any order and no one would care. The Halloween episodes were obviously their freedom to go, we can do whatever we want. It doesn't matter. You know, grandpa can get his head chopped off in this episode. It doesn't matter. He'll be back in the next one. Cause we all know this is just for fun. Right. And <laughs> that just opened them up to so much more interesting things. 
Do you know what the inspiration for these ep- uh, Halloween episodes was? I don't. Okay. So I looked this up because I was curious as to why they started doing them and doing them this way. The inspiration is actually from EC Comics, which was uh, a comic house that was mostly known because it created Tales from the Crypt. And that's what these are. Like, these are basically just like Tales from the Crypt. If you ever saw the TV show, um, the original comic strip it was based on was, you know, you'd have some kind of a framing device of, you know, the Crypt Creeper or a host uh, you know, give you a bunch of weird short stories, stuff that was, you know, more dark and violent. Uh, than you could get away with in, in an average comic, and you know, generally more disturbed stuff. And so the producer of The Simpsons uh, really liked this stuff, and they said that's that's going to be our template for how we're going to do a Halloween special. Uh, and then we got to uh, the first one. I don't uh, think we need to spend a whole lot of time on the technical stuff of like who wrote what episode mm-hmm. or what order they go in. Uh, I I just pulled a handful of episodes for this podcast that I thought would be you know, uh, you know well known ones, fun ones. And they get all from that first, uh, you know, nine or ten years of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you watch them all. I watch them all. Um, so uh, if we don't get to your favorite, I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of these. And uh, I just picked the ones that I thought were the most notable. Where do you want to go first? I definitely want to save the shinning for last because that's okay. the best. I think that's the best one. Yeah, I kind of watch them in the order that you, you know. Oh, I just, which was the random email I put together where they were in literally said in no particular order. I don't know. Actually, no, I didn't do exactly. I think whatever. I think I like searched through Disney Plus and did it that way. Whatever. Oh, you did them in chronological. Chronological. I think that's probably how I ended up watching them. Just Mm kind of going, oh, yeah, I pulled one of the ones from season three here. Um, Maybe we should talk. I think uh, maybe just for continuity's sake, I'm going to pick Fly versus Fly. Okay. To talk about first, because our last episode of this podcast was about uh, the Jeff Goldblum movie. So. (laughs) Uh, let's start there. Uh, you want to just tell us a little bit about the fly, uh, fly versus fly. Okay. So it starts off, um, uh, the Simpsons are at a garage sale by professor, uh, think that, Lyman. yeah, yeah, kinda, professor Frank. yeah, Frank, that's right. Yeah. Kind of that Jerry Lewis, Lewis ish. Another thing we didn't know as kids, like, Oh, he's just doing Jerry Lewis from the nutty mm-hmm. professor, you know, a movie we would not have seen. Uh, this is another thing that's notable before we even get too far into the episode, but like, this is a really standard Simpsons thing. Where, like, the first third of the episode has nothing to do with what the rest of the episode is. It's all just, like, a little adventure that leads to a development that gets to what the plot is actually about. And it's like, here we get, like, that as a microcosm for, uh, you know, what is a third of the length of the running length of the, the episode. So, yes, they go to a garage sale and they buy... The teleportation device. Yes, the, the telepods, which I forget how he describes them, but, like, he's already trying to warn them. that like He's, he's only selling them for, like... What, 50 cents? No, I think it was 35 cents. 30, 35 cents. <laughs> or no, Homer like talks him down. I take it from that little impressed noise that you are interested in purchasing that matter transporter, sir. Um, two bucks. And it only transports matter. Uh, well, uh, I'll give you 35 cents. Sold, but I must warn you, this device carries a frighteningly high risk of catastrophic... I said, I'll take it. Um, yes, uh, they take it home, and uh, of course we get what, well, of course you would expect to happen with a teleporter, they abuse it. Right, Homer is like using it, he puts it in different rooms, like, oh, I'm going to reach into the refrigerator, I think at one point he puts it, he puts one of them in the, the bathroom. So he can pee in the one, so it yeah, flies out into the toilet. <laughs> Um, all the Homer things you would expect him to do. But it is not Homer, of course, who has the teleporter accident. It's Bart who goes in and comes out with the head of a fly 
And uh, notably, he does this on purpose. That's right. That was a big difference from the the source material. It was not, it was not a teleporter accident. He he did it on purpose. After I think he puts in he puts the dog and the cat go in there on accident. I think and, and they, they come, come out the two heads. One has two heads, and the other is the two butts. Yeah, and so th- there's some not. This is uh, mostly based on the original version of the fly, mm-hmm. not the Cronenberg version with Jeff Goldblum. But I think the the dog and cat splice together is kind of that's sort of a nod to the Cronenberg one because it's more body horror and weird. But the but the Bart fly head body swap is the uh, is the original. By the way, have you ever seen the fly? No, and after hearing your podcast, I'm not sure I want to. <laughs> Interesting, because I see my memory of the fly, as I talked about, was Dad using it as a punchline for every movie that was like, you know, we shouldn't watch this. Mm-hmm. It was always the stand of like, well, we could watch the fly, as as n- knowing that would be funny because it was, you know, we were not young enough to watch it. So it is an amazing movie. You should watch it, even, although yeah, it's hard to watch. <laughs> uh, all right, so yeah, so Bart does the swap. We get. Bart is like at the breakfast table. He's sucking down syrup, which is again kind of a nod to the Goldblum one, where he's mm. drinking a cup of coffee with like fifteen <coughs> spoonfuls of sugar in it. And then what's kind of funny about it is it just sort of like peters out, mm. right? Like they just they uh, they swap him back, right? Eventually mm-hmm. they they do the help me help me bit, yeah. And they just swap him back, and it's kind of over. And then and then it kind of I think the end was kind of funny, where Homer's like, oh, you know, this is like. Too ter- like a device that's too powerful and he looks like he's going to destroy it but then he of course goes to you know kill Bart <laughs> yes he's, 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 right, it can't be allowed to exist so you can <laughs> just kill Bart um, yeah I, I like this one um, I again I picked it mostly because of the, the fact that we had just done an episode on the fly um, but it, it is kind of a you know this is the most simplistic version of a Halloween tree as a they, they have a very clear you know, target in mind. We're doing a spoof of this one particular story and they just sort of package it up uh, Mad Magazine style and just go, here it is. Here's a parody. Um, so where do you want to go? What was the next one on your list there that we've got? I kind of want to talk about uh, Time and Punishment. This is a classic. Uh, time and Punishment, for those who don't know, this is the one where Homer, he damages his toaster and then rebuilding it makes it a time machine. And then we get all this really fun butterfly effect shit where he goes back in time. He, you know, kills an animal in the Cretaceous period, which then results in a present day being wildly different uh, each time as he tries to you know, put time back the way it was. Uh, this one's really fun because it lets them do it's sort of like they let, they put a lot of mini episodes into the thing mm-hmm. by doing like, OK, we'll do, you know, Flanders future dystopia mm-hmm. and then we'll do um, the. What was there? So before we get to it's raining again, which is yeah, amazing. that was the best one. Um, that's the best one. There's another one in between there, right? Oh, there's uh, the Maggie uh, kills uh, groundskeeper Willie with it has James Earl Jones's voice. Mm. This is indeed a disturbing universe, right? There's that one. There's mm, that one there. Um, there was the thing where they're all giant. Oh yeah, so he comes back for some reason. Yeah, he, like the how he's in the house and he thinks he's normal size and it's like a dollhouse, like the kids. <laughs> Uh, open it up and like they're going to eat him or something and he <laughs> runs away. Um, and then after several of these, he, he, we see the, I like where they show the house changing mm-hmm. instead of having Homer like go through the shtick each time they're able to go through, cycle through a bunch of quick jokes, mm-hmm. but like, it's their house. It's the, it's the Sims or the Flintstones house. It's, you know, they keep changing the way their house looks from the outside. Um, but then we get to, yes, he finally comes back. His house is a mansion. Everything looks perfect. Hey, good morning, father, dear. Hope you're well. <laughs> 
Are we taking the new Lexus to Aunt Patty and Selma's funeral today? Mm, fabulous house, well-behaved kids, sisters-in-law dead, luxury sedan. Woohoo! I hit the jackpot! Marge, dear, would you kindly pass me a donut? Donut? What's a donut? Ah! 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 It's raining again. Uh, and it ends with him. I think he may, he gets home and uh, everything looks normal except everyone has these weird long fork tongues, which the the the, uh, the button on the, the sketch is. Oh, well, close, close enough. enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a good one. I couldn't find, I couldn't figure out what it was based on. It didn't seem to be based on a very particular time travel story. It just felt like it was based on. Um, just, just the genre just the, in general. Yeah, exactly. Like this is just. These are this is what we know about time travel stories. Every time travel story is basically about do we how do we either change the past or prevent it from changing so that we don't destroy causality. So uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, you got another one there. We got we got a lot of these, but okay. I thought we just run through because they're fun. Um, let's see. How about um? How about clown without pity? Okay, clown without pity. I um. Again, this is the one with the evil uh, crusty doll. Yeah, is this supposed to be based on Bride of, of Chucky? Like, I thought too. I, that's what I thought when I watched it. I was like, oh, this is clearly they're doing a, a riff on um, on um, Child's Play. But I looked it up. It's actually based on uh, a Twilight Zone episode. A lot of these are based on Twilight Zone episodes, and this one included. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you almost don't need that. I mean, because the concept of evil doll that tries to kill you is so Chucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't have the. Um, the whole gimmick behind Child's Play is that Brad Dourif is a serial killer who dies and his spirit is like bonded to the doll. So mm. it's like he's like basically reincarnated sort of as this doll. That element is not in the, the Simpsons episode. It's just a toy that he buys from this weird blue man, mm. <laughs> vaguely oriental stereotype. So it's like, but if you're buying your kid a birthday present in an occult shop, what else are you going to get? <laughs> it, well, that, you know, it also reminds me a lot of Gremlins. You know, the guy, well, the guy they buy the Mogwai from in that mm-hmm. movie. Um, same vibe. And, and he goes through that whole shtick about, the, you know, there's almost Abbott and Costello routine about, like, you know, <laughs> the... Take this object, but beware, it carries a terrible curse. Ooh, that's bad. But it comes with a free Frogut. That's good. The Frogut is also cursed. That's bad. But you get your choice of topping. That's good. The toppings contain potassium benzoate. That's bad. Can I go now? Um, so they, they managed to find these weird, like, Simpsons-esque um, comedy beats, even in the middle, while they're mm-hmm. trying to, like, barrel through a parody or something at lightning speed. They're still able to do these weird little detours, which mm-hmm. I, I love about the show. Um, so, yes, they get the doll home. It tries to kill Homer over and over again right. until... Uh, they finally call customer support. And I love that the number is 1-900-DON'T-SUE. Don't sue, yes. <laughs> the Simpsons is all, one of their satirical things. Like Whenever they satirize the legal system, and, and of course we're both lawyers, um, <laughs> but whenever they satirize the legal system, they always do it really, really well. Um, is this the one where Lionel Hutz is actually called in and like sues the company? That's a different one. No. Where Lionel Hutz gets involved. Okay, so we'll save him for later. Um, but yes, the, the customer support comes in and says, oh, there's your problem. The doll switched, it has like a good and evil switch, and he's just switched to evil. I don't know, I kind of felt like that was a cop-out. 
they're all compounds. <laughs> I mean, a lot of these things do. I mean, it, they have to wrap it up in like, you know, mm-hmm. seven and a half minutes. Yeah. Um, but it is a very funny idea because like, after they switch him to good, he's just, they just abuse him. He's just like, you know, schlepping like food back and forth. Yeah, I think he had to get Homer. Homer a sponge bath. Right. He has to do whatever he does. Yeah. And then, but he gets to come home come to, to Malibu, Malibu Stacy. Yeah, in the dollhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, Clown Without Pity. Another uh, a good, a really standalone bit that's just you know, one concept done very well. Mm-hmm. Okay, what else you got there? Um, since we were kind of talking about the legal system, do you want to move on to... This is, uh, yes, this is the one I'm thinking yeah. of. The Devil and Homer Simpson. So, uh, the plot, if you will. Okay, so of course, um, Homer's, it starts Homer's basically dreaming about like a donut fashion show, and it kind of looks like he's at like Fashion Week in Paris or something, but it's all donuts. Yes, they're all like donuts with like sexy gams. And then of course, he wakes up from his dream, and there's no donuts left. And he says, I will sell my soul for a donut, at which point Flanders appears, Uh, their, their nosy neighbor who is... Uh, very religious, so it's he's of course the, it's the as he says the person you least expect, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I love the so I, I remember this taking longer, but so they do this bit where he, the bargain is if you know he, Flanders gets his soul if he finishes the donut. So he hits on this clever idea of like, well, I'll just leave one piece and not eat it. And then that night he eats it. I remember it being dragged out longer for like how long he manages to go without like eating the donut. Yeah, but I just love when he's like, I'm smarter than the devil. I'm smarter than the devil. Yes, and they do this amazing – so the Simpsons animation is obviously – it has to be on a TV budget. It's – you know, I don't know how much of it they use computers to do and, mm. how you know, the shortcuts they take. But every once in a while, they kind of will let loose with the animation. Mm. And so Flanders morphs into this like night on Bald Mountain demon <laughs> and screams, you are not smarter than me. And it's just so cool because every time that the, the Simpsons would like do something big with their animation – it would really feel like there'd be a good, like, unexpected punch from it because it's like, oh, that's usually not what they do. It's they're usually more talking heads, less like wild mm-hmm. takes, and you know the stuff you would associate with like Looney Tunes or Ren and Stimpy. Like they mm-hmm. wouldn't do that stuff uh, in animation. So, very, very cool. He's of course sent to hell to the ironic punishment division and forced to eat donuts forever, which. Uh, does not bother him in the slightest. He just yeah. gets fatter and fatter as he. I don't know. Goes. I think to Homer Simpson that would be more of his idea of heaven. <laughs> yeah, it's just. I mean, it's just a fun. The, the best joke about it is not that. Okay, we get it. He likes donuts. It's whatever the demon says, where he says something like, "Ah, oh, this drove Shelley Winters mad in ten minutes," <laughs> or whatever. Like that. It's that. You know, they find a way to put an angle on it that's a little bit smarter than just, "Oh, he eats donuts and he's fat." They they add that that bonus. So then we get the trial with Lionel Hutz, uh, the world's worst lawyer. Um, and uh, Homer, I mean, sorry, Marge prevailed by proving that Homer wrote a note to him, to her, saying, you know, he gave his soul to her. Therefore, he couldn't sell it to the devil. Hear ye, hear ye. The court of infernal affairs is now in session. Very well. But first, some ground rules. Number one, we get bathroom breaks every half hour. Agreed. Number two, the jury will be chosen by me. Agreed. No, wait. Silence! I give you the jury of the damned. Benedict Arnold, Lizzie Borden, Richard Nixon. But I'm not dead yet. In fact, I just wrote an article for Red Book. Hey, listen, I did a favor for you. Yes, master. John Wilkes Booth, Blackbeard the Pirate, John Dillinger, and the starting line of the 1976 Philadelphia Flyers. (laughs) 
And the jury of the damned rules in her favor. Yes. Oh, that's right. The jury is all like, it's like Lizzie Borden. And Benedict Arnold. And like a bunch of hockey players or something. Yeah, weird. that I didn't get. I, I mean, didn't get that either. I, I, wanna, yeah. I, meant to, I meant to go look that up. I was like, did something happen with like the 1970 whatever Philadelphia yeah, flyers? flyers? Like, what did they do? Like, yeah, I don't follow hockey, so... Uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't know if there was like a thing where they pulled over their tour bus and like beat a bunch of people up. I have no idea. Yeah. I should have looked it up before this podcast, but uh, I wasn't feeling the, the research and the detail this week. Um, so, so that is uh, that's that one. This but one it I, does end with he does have a donut head. Yes, the, the end, we have to talk about. Yes, so the, the even though he beats the trial, the devil still punishes him anyway by giving him a, a donut head. This is one of my favorite images in all of The Simpsons. It's just Homer with this donut head, and he's got a bite like what looks like a bite out of it or something. And Marge going, "Stop picking at it!" <laughs> that, but that, I'm so sweet and tasty. You're so sweet and tasty. That that moment just stays uh, with me. I don't know why, but like whenever I think of like. There's many, many moments in The Simpsons I will think of nostalgically. That one's way yeah, up there that's for a me. Good one. I don't know why, but there's, there's something so ridiculous about him. Just he's going to literally eat his own head and die. So uh, yes, uh, that is another uh, excellent one. Excellent. Uh, what else you got? Um, how about Nightmare on Evergreen Terrace? Okay, I picked this one. Um, be- I mean, yes, it's a good one, but also. Um, <coughs> My uh, wife is a big fan of Nightmare on Elm Street, so I thought we got to do the, the Nightmare on Elm Street parody. Now, have you seen any Nightmare on Elm Street movies? Sadly, no. Like really? I said, I really should watch this. Like I said, horror is not my you know go to genre. I mean, I've seen like I like The Shining. I've seen Carrie. I've seen The Exorcist. Scared the crap out of me. That was very. I was very disturbed by that movie. Um, uh, I love horror. That's one of my favorite genres. Um, I, but I didn't get to a lot of horror movies until I was a little bit older. Nightmare on Elm Street, I don't know if I had seen any Nightmare on Elm Street movies by the time this episode came out, but I might have seen one of them. What year, but, did, what year did this one come out? Oh, man, I don't have that on my Somewhere in the 90s. If I was in... The, the last Freddy movie is Freddy's Dead, and that was still maybe 92 or something. So I think mm-hmm. at this point, we were all out of Freddy, except for that new Nightmare movie and uh, Freddy vs. Jason. Mm-hmm. But what's neat about Freddy, I mean, you that character was so everywhere and so mm. ubiquitous, you never needed to see any of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies to know all everything you needed to know to get this episode. Right. It's I mean, I, I haven't seen the movie. I got it. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, the one thing that, I mean, by this point, Freddy had already become a parody of himself. Mm. That already started in like the third, by the time of the third movie. Um, the first one is still scary and is still an, it's just an excellent film. But Freddy pretty quickly became a cartoon character in this series. And those it's still fun. It's enjoyable mm. to watch those movies where, you know, essentially Freddy is Bugs Bunny and everybody else is just a guy waiting to get an anvil dropped on his head. But um, it, it does lose a lot of its power to scare. Uh, but this one with Groundskeeper Willie, uh, one thing that's cool about it is, you know, Everything beat about this is basically the same as A Nightmare on Elm Street, the, the original one, where he, you know, he comes back from the dead by haunting kids in their dreams, and the kids are trying to stay awake as best they can, and then hopefully use some form of lucid dreaming to take control of the dreamscape and thereby best Freddy, or in this case, Groundskeeper Willie. The thing I like about this one is that they dramatize the death, which they don't actually show in any of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. It's just talked about. Uh, Freddy... Uh, was this child murderer? He he quote got off on a technicality, for, you know, so the legal system failed, and so the parents went vigilante and burned him to death, uh, and now he haunts their dreams. 
the scene where they sort of do Willie's death is so funny. And I was, I loved it so much. And then when I actually got around to watching the movies and they never actually did, you know, I was like, this must be a parody of some scene that never actually happened in, in Freddy continuity. Um, although I think they did do it eventually in some, like they did like this Freddy TV series, like an anthology series. I think they did a scene where he died in that, but the, the best part about it is just that like, he's on fire and like, who's in principal Skinner. It's just like, tells him to sit down and, you know, wait, wait his turn to talk. But it's, it's like, so Oh, but he's like trying to open the door knob. And then there's like, then this in the, um, PTA meeting, it's like, Oh, we need to talk about, a, you know, money for faulty doorknobs. And then like something about the fire extinguishers and the fire extinguisher doesn't right, work. Every, right. Willie. <laughs> yeah. Everything is a result of like, I think Homer accidentally makes the boiler go like uh, up to like high power. I think it says like, fire. he's like, don't, it says like, don't touch Willie. Ooh, good idea. Yeah. Don't <laughs> touch. Kidding. Yeah. He he misses, this is another recurring thing is like a punctuation joke. Like, don't touch, don't touch, comma, Willie. Homer reads it as just don't touch Willie. Similar to like, uh, what's it, uh, free consultation? No, money down. The, mm-hmm. the Lionel Hutz joke where he does that with punctuation. And then everything escalates from there, right? It's, it's you know, like you said, you know, like, oh, the, the school votes down, you know, more budgeting for doorknobs or something. So the doorknob doesn't work and Willie can't get out of the room. And they keep doing that and escalating it. In a way that, you know, again, very much satirizing, you know, local government, the public school system, you know, being strapped for cash. Um, They they package all of that into this very short scene that's also just independent, even independently of the satire. It's just really funny. It's I think that's one of the best parts of the whole episode. Mm. Um, And it's, it's just kind of a masterclass in the way the Simpsons would construct a joke. Do not touch Willie. Good advice. Huh? Our next budget item, $12 for doorknob repair. Nay. We charge fire extinguishers. Uh, now this is a free service of the fire department. Help! Please help me! Willie, please. Mr. Van Houten has the floor. Uh, I, for one, would like to see the cafeteria menus in advance so parents can adjust their dinner menus accordingly. Uh, I don't like the idea of Millhouse having two spaghetti meals in one day. Uh, really, really impressive. Um, but yes, of course, at the end, they uh, they blow up Groundskeeper Willie in the dream, uh, and then they're all fine, and then they do this weird ending where, like, Willie just kind of walks up to them in the real world and, like, shakes his fist because, like, he got off a bus to threaten them and then the bus drives away without him. And then he's like, uh, and he's like, are you like, I forgot my shotgun. Don't go anywhere. Right. He <laughs> runs away. It's sort of a nod to the way the original Nightmare on Elm Street ends because there was famously a lot of uh, back and forth about how to do the ending of that movie, mm. uh, which, since you haven't watched it, I won't spoil it. But it is a very ambiguous ending that's kind of like, well, wait, did they... Did they get Freddy? Did they not get Freddy? And not in that horror movie way of like, ooh, uh, you know, maybe he's still out there. It's 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 straight up just confusing. It's like, wait, what are you trying to say, movie? Are you trying to even tell me this is an ambiguous ending? What the fuck is actually happening? <laughs> um, so I, I think that kind of works. Uh, so yeah, that is uh, a nightmare on uh, Evergreen Terrace. You've got, I see the Genesis tub written okay. there. Yeah, we can do the Genesis tub. Sure. <laughs> uh, what? Go ahead and uh, tell us about the Genesis tub. 
Okay, so it starts off, Lisa is working on her science project, and she's saying that science has already ruined smoking, alcohol, and Chinese food, but now she can ruin soft drinks for everybody. So she's, you know, she has this little tub, she has the tooth, she's pouring cola in there, and then Bart dis- Bart shocks her with, ele- with static electricity, and when she touches the tub, there's some, you know, she shocks it with elect- ele- static electricity. And then when she goes to bed, and then she wakes up, and there's a whole, she's created a whole universe, and she sees cave people in there. Yeah, and they're, like, evolving rapidly. So, like, every time she goes back to the the little tub with the tooth in it, like, first they're, like, yeah, they're cavemen uh, people that, in there. And then they're, like, having a little renaissance. And then, like, before long, they're, like, more advanced than we are. They're, yeah, they're having they're a future society. Futurist, yeah, very futuristic. Um, once again, Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, I actually texted you and asked, like, what is this based on? Because I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, it's a Twilight Zone episode, <laughs> sort of. Um, this is an idea that actually, like, that clearly the writers loved this because there's an episode of Futurama, um, Matt Groening's series, you know, follow-up to The Simpsons, that basically follows this same concept where Bender is somehow launched into space with, like, this thing on his, like, front um, I forget exactly all the details, but basically the same thing starts happening. Like a tiny civilization arises on Bender as he is drifting through space. And then I think they eventually end up like, you know, warring with themselves and like an- annihilating mm-hmm. themselves. Um, but it's the, literally the exact same bit. Um, but I, I do like this episode a lot. It does have another one of my favorite lines, which is it's toilet time for tiny town uh, because Bart threatens to destroy him. Um and at the end, they uh, they shrink Lisa down because they think she's God, uh, and she just basically ends up stuck there. <laughs> That's the yeah. end of, this, of the episode. Um, what did you think about this as like a, a, a satire piece? I mean, I didn't even know what it was satirizing. So, but I mean, I mean, not not that it was well. Yes, it's different, but what it's satirizing is different from what it's spoofing, right? Right. So, like, yes, it's doing the plot beats of this Twilight Zone episode, but they're trying to, I think, say something about. Like our society, society and religion and, like, and stuff. Right. The fact that like Lisa literally created life and they see Bart as the devil. I love when like they, she says his name and they just like shudder and they're like, oh, Bart. Yeah, obviously, yeah like saying, I mean, yes, this was pre-Harry Potter, but it was like saying Voldemort. Yeah. So the, the reaction is the same. <laughs> Yo, you shall not speak his name. Yeah. Um, very funny. It also reminded me of this weird. Did you ever watch that claymation Mark Twain thing? No. Okay. There's this weird segment. There was this, uh, I don't even know who made it, but there's this claymation thing where it's like, the adventures of Mark Twain, and they're on some sort of weird spaceship. And I don't know what the fuck is happening because it's been so long since I've seen it. But it had a lot of little, like, segments in it that were, like, micro versions of Mark Twain stories. And they did this one bit off of a story called The Mysterious Stranger, which is, like, the, the, the kids who are, like, the protagonists of the thing walk It's, like, this basically this empty space with this the creepiest angel quote-unquote you've ever seen who like you realize pretty quickly is satan and he proceeds to like make these little like clay people and then like destroy them it like go google mysterious stranger mm. mark twain uh, you know claymation or whatever you will find this thing it is it's like this super creepy thing in the middle of what is otherwise like a pretty like tame kids cartoon um, but it reminded me of that because, again, like tiny civilization being destroyed. Yeah. There was something about the coloring of the civilization that I was trying to like pinpoint. Like it was like almost like yellow submarine vibes, but not really. Yeah. It does have that very like kind of retro future look mm-hmm. to it. That I think The Simpsons like, um, you know, like sort of like the Jetsons, right? Mm-hmm. That, that kind of aesthetic. Um, so, yeah. The Genesis Tub, another uh, 
classic of Simpsons Halloween Let's Fair. See. Um, uh, if we're gonna go back, go stick on Twilight Zoney. How mm-hmm. about Homer three, Homer Cube? Oh, oh, Homer three, yeah, Homer mm-hmm. Cube. Yeah, I don't even know what this is specifically satirizing, other than maybe there's uh, there's that story Flatland, which is literally about a two dimensional shape who is you know suddenly you know is introduced to a three dimensional world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very very simplistic kind of uh, a social commentary piece. But yeah, basically the whole bit is that Homer, you know, trying to get away from a visit from Patty and Selma, finds a portal in their house that leads to a three-dimensional world where he is a you know, CGI rendered version of Homer. Um, I picked this one, you know, I, I, it's actually not one of my favorite episodes. I don't think it's that funny. Um, there's a few funny lines in it. There's the, I think Frank is funny mm-hmm. where he's you know trying to explain what a cube is yeah. to, to the other cartoons, uh, which is funny. And I do like ground, uh, not ground, uh, Chief Wiggum, the police chief, trying to solve the problem. I literally just, sh- you know, enough of your borax, Poindexter. Take that, you lousy dimension. Just shooting bullets at the portal. Um, so there's some funny stuff in there, but I do like. I think the the it is notable for being this CGI fest. Well, because in the I think 90s CGI was kind of relatively new at that time. I think super new. Yeah, yeah I, I I can't remember if this was before or after Toy Story. I think it was after, but not mm. much. Um, and yeah, to do this, obviously on the Simpsons budget would have been a big, big deal, even though it's only probably all told, you know, maybe three minutes maximum of, of 3d shots. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, really interesting for them to kind of try something new that way and and play around. I did like some of the, like the fact that it's really just kind of a void space that's full of like, you just bouncing Euclidean geometry Mm -hmm. and like math equations floating yeah. around i did somehow there's yeah. a koi pond in there there is a koi pond after all that yes there's there's was it homer that calls unprocessed Pres- fish sticks yeah yeah is, aka fish yeah. um i i feel like i should have asked mom like freeze frame stuff because my our mother is a math teacher and said like because sometimes the simpsons like definitely futurama would do this would like if you took the time to look at an equation it's actually like a joke in the background like if you understand math it's a joke which i mean who does that <laughs> but yeah uh so that's homer 3d uh i do like uh, where he ends up at the end which is uh where does he end up at the very end the real world doing what um he's kind of scared at first and then he finds a bakery with erotic cakes yes that's a very 90s joke i think i feel like the erotic cake store has uh that was like a, a, I felt like it was an SNL punchline and stuff for a long time. That is uh, no longer a thing. Uh, all right. So we got, I'm looking um, at your notes here. Bart oh. Simpson's Dracula. Bart Simpson's Dracula. Okay. This is awesome. This was obviously hot on the heels of the uh, Francis Ford Coppola version with Gary Oldman and his giant hair butt. Um, that movie is not good, by the way. I, I've tried to like it, but man, Keanu Reeves. Um, <coughs> I love Keanu Reeves. I think he's a great actor in the right role, but you put him in the wrong role. And it like the, like he tries to do a British accent so hard in that movie. And he so fails. And like, just like, I can't, I can't accept the reality of this movie. No, no one talks that way. So yeah, I, I like this one. If you want to talk about some of your favorite moments from, uh, from the Dracula episode. So of course, yeah, they, uh, I think it starts, they're watching the news and there's like news of like the undead or, or oh, Mr. Burns donated money to like a blood bank or something or yeah. a blood bank. Yeah. And like, he's like got blood like on his lips or something. Yeah. As and the Simpsons get to go to his like, you know, big house in, you know, Pennsylvania. Yes. In Pennsylvania. That looks like Castlevania, like that shot of the, mm-hmm. the castle 
It's like that's straight out of a Castlevania game. Right. So of course they go to the house and uh, he gives them. I guess it's like quote unquote punch. It's really blood. And they, and they don't even try to hide it. He's just like, oh, yes, it's blood. And Homer's like, mm, free blood or whatever he says. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Bart and Lisa go nosing around. They find the, I guess, the room with all the, you know, tombs. And the, they find the vampires. And they run. And, of course, Bart, you know, is swayed by the super fun happy slide. So the yeah, stairs turn a lever. into a slide. Yeah, he just slides right back down into where all the vampires are and gets bit. Um, this episode has one of my favorite dr- Simpsons drawings. Mm. Uh, like, like individual frame. Um, which I, I feel like I want to like use and promo like the art for this episode. It's a, like, he's floating outside Lisa's window and he wants to bite her and he says something about blood. And as he says it, like, it looks like his head goes like the wrong direction from the mm. rest of his jaw. It's just a very <laughs> funny drawing that I just, I love it. Like it's so like, cause you, obviously any drawing that happens in the Simpsons is a deliberate choice. Somebody has to go through all the trouble of, not just drawing that drawing, but all the drawings that lead into it and out of it. So there had to be an okay, like, yes, we want Bart's head to do this totally unnatural thing. <laughs> um, it, it, uh, one of my, like, subtle favorite things in it. Yeah, and then, of course, they realize, oh, we have to, um, we want him to get back to normal. We have to kill the, you know, main vampire, which is Mr. Burns. Right, so they go back. And they kill him. I remember this scene being very funny so of course he get, you know they have to drive the stake through his heart and first he drives it through his crotch yeah. and then he right. drives it through his heart and i always this stuck with me the fact that he basically dies and then he kind of wakes up and goes you're fired and then dies again. Back, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the timing on that is really good because yeah. they go through the whole like grisly like vampire turning to dust animation and then just un but they un when they undo it for him to do that it's at like four times the speed yeah. <laughs> you're fired and then go back um i homer like they really He's one of those characters that, like I said, they, these characters are all sort of like comedy chess pieces. And, you know, Homer is stupid. Like, you know, that's one of the easiest jokes to make. It's like, oh, yes, Homer is dumb. Um, they sort of throttle it like, how dumb is he? You know, like depending on the situation, they can make him real stupid. Um, and this is one of those times where, like, you know, he you know, he goes, take that vampire. And he, like you said, he drives the stick through. And Lisa has to tell him, Dad, that's his crotch. Which means... Looking at a human shape, he cannot tell the difference between where your chest is and where your crotch is. <laughs> um, he's that stupid. So it's, it's a really just funny joke because they, they sort of just the way they, you know, they deliver that beat. Yeah, they did Homer being stupid in this one very well. Because even after yeah. he, she t- Lisa tells him, you know, Bart's a vampire, he's like, Lisa, you and your stories, like Bart's a vampire, beer kills brain cells. Now let's go back to that place where our beds and TV is. Yeah, right. Exactly. They, 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 yeah, they dial him way into the stupid for this one, uh, which is fine because they're cartoon characters. Right. And it doesn't matter. Um, but yes, they have. To, and of course, it doesn't work because they have to kill the head vampire, which is actually Marge, which is a great twist yeah they're all vampires yes the the whole family is yeah like even grandpa is like floating around as a vampire yeah actually that bit with uh grandpa i always remembered was really funny how many times have i told you not to bite your sis (gasps) wait a minute you are a vampire quick we have to kill the boy how'd you know he's a vampire he's a vampire Ah! Ah, yeah i forgot about that that is good that is another all-time favorite line for me which is grandpa just wanted to kill for the stake which is great um, um we're, we're running that i think we've gotten through most of it. oh we didn't do the dolphin one yeah uh, okay neither. i just have i don't get what this is i just have at the end of my notes 
what the fuck with a bunch <laughs> of question marks. <laughs> I know. I, I This is a later one. This is like from like maybe season 11 or 12. It's just so weird that I felt like we had to talk about. It. There's a lot of like, there was definitely a point where they, they did a bunch of things that were not obvious horror stories. They did like fairy tales. They did a Harry Potter one. They did you know, Twilight. They did Twilight. The, well, Twi- the Great Pumpkin. Well, those are all still somewhat. I mean, Harry Potter's definitely not. They've done some others that are very much like, you know, the not Halloweenish, but the sort of they sort of crowbarred it in, right? Um, Pop culture, but I mean, Harry Potter has Halloween. It has in witches, it. I guess, and mm-hmm. wizards, but it's not. It's not. I wouldn't consider Harry Potter to be Halloween fair. No, this one. So this is based on too loosely on two different, three different things. So the, the the general inspiration for this, uh, I wish the, the general plot is Lisa sets a, a dolphin from SeaWorld loose, who then rallies his dolphin friends to go uh, take over humanity and kick them into the ocean instead. Um, the the basic inspiration for this is some. This is called Night of the Dolphin. The original thing is called Day of the Dolphin, but it's not exactly a horror story. It's like it's a, about a guy who trains dolphins. Um, and then, like, the government steps in because they think there's military applications for trained dolphins. And then something about, like, the, they're going to train a dolphin to kill the president. Like, it sounds re- – I've never seen it. It just sounds super dumb and weird. <laughs> so I know that's part of it, just the idea of using – I was telling a story about dolphins. But there's two other things in it that are definitely more well-known things. There's a bit where Lenny gets eaten by dolphins. Yeah, they kill the Lenny. They kill the sea captain. Yeah, but the the specifically the scene where the dolphins kill Lenny uh, is Jaws. Like that is oh, a, that yeah. is like the way like the colors, the way it's shot. Oh yeah, don't they like have the shot with the fins? They have the fins. Yeah. They have like the moon because if you remember, there's this famous scene in Jaws of a lady, uh, pretty early in the movie, who gets eaten swimming mm-hmm. at night, and so they're really trying to evoke that sequence. But that it's not a straight up Jaws parody. It's just for mm-hmm. this one scene. And then at the end, they do a bit that's very much Hitchcock's The Birds, where there's just dolphins everywhere. They're, like, perched on, you know, playground equipment and on buildings. And, and the people are just walking silently as all the dolphins stare at them. But, again, not not a strong parody of any one individual thing. This is one... They do this from time to time where they will, like, lash a bunch of different ideas together, and this is one of them. Um, but it is very weird, and it does have a, a nice moment where the dolphin, you know, makes it to the town hall, and he... You know, the you know, knocks the mayor or whatever who's speaking away from the podium, and they're like, oh, he's going to speak. And the dolphin goes, Snorky talk, man. <coughs> I'm, I'm very sorry. Let me start that over. And then starts speaking normally, uh, which I liked. But yeah, I don't know what you, th- I see your note said, you know, WTF. Uh, any other comments? It's just WTF? like the most like random thing. Like, I kind of wrote like Free Willy Gone Dark because I guess the yeah, beginning has Willy. that free Willy. Yes, he has but- the moment where the dolphin is like diving over her. Yeah, she helps him escape. Um, they they like doing this bit where Lisa's like kind of uh, you know politically le- left leaning do gooding mm-hmm. ends up causing some huge problem in a way that's like you know it, you know not actually a, a satire of those beliefs. It's just it's almost like the satire of the satire mm-hmm. where it's like no no we should be helping dolphins. The joke is the joke is that the joke is that it causes mayhem. It's not go- it wouldn't do that. So I did like that aspect of it. Uh, yeah, just a weird... And I'm also thinking, like, this is only, like, you know, 11 or so seasons into this. Like, there's no shortage of, of like, Halloween stories they could do parodies of. You know, there's they're only doing three a year. Like, they, haven't, right. they hadn't touched 
I mean, you know, Michael Myers yet. It, they right, hadn't done, right. You know. It's been a long time since I've watched The Simpsons. I mean, like, I don't remember them ever parodying, like, Carrie, which I feel like would they be They might have. I, you know, again, we've got, like, 20 seasons we haven't watched yeah. Halloween episodes for. I know this year they're fine. They're actually doing two. They're doing, uh, like, their usual three, you know, three-part thing. Mm-hmm. And then they're doing a second episode that is an entire It parody. Oh, wow. So. Um, I don't know if I want to. I mean, The Simpsons isn't as good as it used to be, so. I yeah, I don't know. And actually, I feel bad for Julie Kavner. I feel like her voice is going. And it's like, oh, let let her stop, please. She's going to die of throat cancer. Please. <laughs> You're killing this poor woman. Uh, all right. So that leaves the shin- shinning, right? Shinning, that's the last yep, that's one? That's the last one. Okay, good. This is the best one, I think, of Absolutely. all time. Yeah. And you, you've now seen The Shining. Yes. Okay. I, the Shining is, for my money, one of the best horror movies ever made because the horror in The Shining is, like, for all the supernatural elements, the really the most horrific thing is, like, abusive dad. Right. That is the scariest thing in the movie. It's just Jack Nicholson being, uh, you know, unhinged. Um, but it does have a lot of great iconography. And for and I think this is this they, they pack so many jokes into a shining spoof that is you know mm-hmm. you know like I said it's like seven and a half minutes long. They manage to hit pretty every major thing in the movie. They they don't, they don't do any of the like creepy twins, and they don't do like the room two thirty seven full of like you know guy having sex with a person in a bear costume. No, stuff. but like they get the blood. They get they have Maggie where she writes like she. Spells redrum with the blocks. Right, she spells yeah. red rum. They do the bit where uh, the you know the caretaker shows them around at the beginning. It's burned, mm-hmm. but they even do the like the long tracking shot. Like they decide for all the things they're going to parody in The Shining, they're willing to spend a lot of time in the first like minute of that episode. They do the whole thing where they you know, the long drive up to the, the what would be the Overlook Hotel. Well, it was a long trip, but we're almost there. Homer, did you remember to lock the front door of the house? Don't! Well, it's been two long trips, but we're finally almost there again. When you locked the front door, did you remember to lock the back door? Don't! Don't! <gasps> oh, no! We left Grandpa back at the gas station. What about Grandpa? And then they just leave him behind. Yeah. Which... Uh, in a in a very smart thing, they actually call back to later in the episode. He shows up, you know, right. like, you know, after everything's gone crazy. You know, Homer is like, "Here's Johnny, don't David Letterman." Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. Don't. I'm Mike Wallace. I'm Marley Saper, and I'm Ed Bradley. All this and Andy Rooney tonight on sixty minutes. Usually on these things, they don't have much time for that level of, like, structure or callback. So the fact that they did it here is really impressive. While they still got across, they did the, you know, Groundskeeper Willie is the Scatman Crothers character who tells Bart about his shinning. Um, they have the time for that. They, I mean, they do, you know, the no beer, no TV, make Homer go crazy. Yeah. Um, they really just do all of the things from The Shining, and, and in a way that's, like, they still manage to work in a lot of characters because The Shining, you know, basically has four characters mm-hmm. in the whole thing. I guess, well, you also have the ghost. So you have Mo as the, as the bartender. Um, you know, really, impre- and they, they obviously duplicate the look mm-hmm. of the, um, you know, the, the movie in terms of like the, the hotel, oh, the bar, the like the carpet, the, you know, the, str- the just the, um, 
the structure of the hotel. Like when he's coming up the stairs after Marge with the bat, they're doing that sequence. Like it's still it's, the drawing looks like you know the set of the Overlook Hotel. It's really, really like meticulous. Uh, any other favorite moments from the shinning that you want to talk about? Um, I love like obviously like when um Groundskeeper Willie tells Bart you've got the shinning. Um, you mean shining? Shh, want to get sued? The other thing they do, yeah, mm. is this in this particular episode. They do a running gag where in each of the three segments, yes. Groundskeeper okay. Willie dies with an axe to the back. Mm-hmm. And they did that on purpose because, not just because it's funny, but because they really wanted to kind of needle the censors at, at Fox. At this, this mm-hmm. is like, I think it's only in like maybe the second or third Treehouse of Horse, like the mm-hmm. fourth season of the show. And at this point, The Simpsons had really become kind of this flashpoint for like, you know, oh, like, you know, was it George H.W. Bush, you know, point, you know, kind of called out the Simpsons as being, you know, the opposite of a model American family and, you know, all this, you know, like how, you know, the Simpsons was leading people down a dark path, yada, yada, because it was evil and, you know, set, setting poor examples and stuff. Basically because in the first season, Bart was a little troublemaker. Well, he was always a little I troublemaker. I guess, but like, it, you know, <laughs> it's so tame, you know, compared to like South Park. And what Family Guy would do later, you know, oh, absolutely, it's not even close. Um, it's so gentle uh, now that we look back on it. But this was their way. Of, at some point, someone had I, they got into their heads that The Simpsons was too violent, <laughs> which definitely, like, no violence ever happens in The Simpsons, no. um, except for these episodes where the violence is, you know, it's expected because it's a horror. It's, it's Halloween, so. yeah, and none of it's none of it has any weight to it because the you know the characters getting decapitated and maimed has no continuity con there's back in the next segment it's right you know, no different than you know like yeah you know, wiley coyote getting crushed by a rock you know it doesn't mean anything but yes that is specifically why they do the three acts of the back bits with willie was to up the violence just to kind of stick it so kind of a big f you to the censors or- yeah they actually have so at the beginning of these episodes there was always like at least at first they had like marge or or one of the other characters, they would come out and like introduce, you know, hey, this is our Halloween episode. And at first, it was always like Bar or Marge telling you, like, oh, this episode might be a little scary, you know, for mm-hmm. you, um, which was you know, again very quaint. Um, they kind of dropped that after a while because they they the writer said that we were running out of ways to have somebody come out and do that. You know, was, you know well, how after many a jokes? couple of seasons, it's like, is it really necessary? Well, anymore? and how many jokes can you ring out? Yeah. But they did do one where. Uh, and I remember it was one of these episodes we watched, but like it begins with like a censor at a desk. I think it was this one. It was it this one? No, I think it was. Oh. Is it this one? It could be. But yeah, he's like looking over a script and like going like, oh no, oh no, and he's like you know crossing things out. Um, so again, part of just the meta of the show, that I'm willing to just kind of poke fun at that you know, very directly. Um, but that is that is the shinning. Um, I, I think I've, I've looked at a lot of like lists of like people will like take polls and or try critics will try and talk about which is the best of these things. Mm-hmm. The shinning usually tops the list, I think, because it's so expertly done and so dense with jokes. There's so much stuff that they, you know, if you're going to parody The Shining, like you said, it's amazing they they can get as much of that story and spoof as much of it as they can in this short amount of time. Um, and so when I think of like Halloween nostalgia, like, and I want to watch. Um, you know, Simpsons, Halloween, Trials of Horror. I will go back to these. I won't even. I usually won't even watch the recent ones. I just want to go back and see these again because it's sort of like, you know, it's almost like a nice companion piece to mm-hmm. the um, the real movies and things that these are based on. Oh, of course. Um, so, like, do you have any favorite Halloween like movies that you do 
watch like I know you're not as big on horror, but is there anything that's like, oh yeah, it's October. I got to put this on. Mm. Well, of course, now I have a son who's about to turn five. So what we're turning on in our house is like for Halloween is pretty family friendly. Well, yeah, I mean we've been doing, um, uh, you know, uh, what's it, I, I like the Disney Sleepy Hollow. That's a big favorite for me. Um, I would put on the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Oh yeah, we just what we showed that to we just showed that to Joel. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did he like it? Yeah, he actually sat through it. Okay, it's pretty slow. Yeah. <laughs> As I'm watching, going, it's shorter than I remember, but it feels longer. Yeah, I was than like, I oh, remember. it's only thirty minutes. It doesn't feel like thirty minutes. Yeah. It's pretty slow. It's the peanuts. Yeah. Um. So, the, but is there any like movie that is actually like more on the scary end of the spectrum that you would watch? We did um, our episode on Beetlejuice. That one's up there for me. That's right there. That's like that's a comedy. That's you know, it's a little different. But it's I don't. Very, well, I mean, know, I dark. I mean, The Shining is obviously very well done. Um. I don't know why, but for some reason, I have seen Carrie multiple times. For the, I assume you mean the original one. Yes, the original was Sissy. Yeah, Space Space like yeah, no, the remakes are terrible. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I like Carrie. I just remember thinking like, oh, there's it really just boils down to that one scene. You know, there's not you know up until that happens, there's like some creepy stuff, but it's like it, the fly is actually sort of structured the same way, where it's kind of like there isn't a lot of like scares. There's not. It's just like you know, it just. Oh, this is going. This is going somewhere bad, isn't it? You just well, keep I watching, think, like, yeah, yeah, this is going somewhere bad. And then, like, in the last like three minutes of the movie, it gets there. And you're like, yeah. oh, this is this is in fact very bad. Well, probably the most disturbing thing from Carrie for me is probably the mother. It's that abusive. Mother yeah, element. that well, it's Stephen <laughs> King, um, right? Writing what he knows. Um, yeah, this Stephen King stuff is good. I. I for for me, like Halloween, I'll, I'll usually you know at least one slasher. Uh, it's got to be in the mix. Oh yeah, like but, I mean, I've seen. I mean, Scream is really a spoof, but I mean, yeah, I've seen Scream, three sure. Scream movies. Screams are good. I like, um, you know, I I actually like going back going back to the Simpsons stuff. The Twilight Zone has aged extremely well, and it's like it's never scary, but it's always kind of like thought scary in a thought provoking way. Like it makes mm. you think about like you know. Uh, it's unpleasant to think about mortality. Right. Well, it's unpleasant to think about how time is slipping away. You know, um, so the last thing I did want to mention before we we finish is that you know because Matt Grading loves this stuff. Not only did they, they reuse the the Genesis tub basically for a Futurama episode, but Futurama tried to ape this in a couple of ways. One, they did these uh, anthology of interest episodes, which was like, well, we're not going to do Halloween, but we're going to do an episode that has like three standalone stories that don't affect the continuity of Futurama. So they have one where like, you know, Bender becomes an actual flesh and blood human or like, you know, what would happen if this, ha- you know, uh, you know, it was all just like a, what if scenario. Mm-hmm. So same structure. Uh, and then of course, Futurama has the scary door where they would do a spoof of a twilight zone episode, but instead of it being a seven and a half minute segment, it's like crammed into 35 seconds. You're entering a realm which is unusual. Maybe it's magic or contains some kind of monster. The second one. Prepare to enter the scary door. Please send the man round back and pick up Clyde Smith, a professional gambler who's about to have an unfortunate accident. casino where I'm winning? That car must have killed me. I must be in heaven. 
A casino where I always win? That's boring. I must really be... In hell! No, Mr. Smith. You're not in heaven or hell. You're on an airplane. <laughs> There's a gremlin destroying the plane! You've gotta believe me! Why should I believe you? You're Hitler! No! Ava Braun, help me! Saw it coming. But that kind of wraps up everything we need to say, I think, about the, the you know the Treehouse of Horror. I mean, anything else you want to say about kind of your emotional connection to this stuff? Emotional connection? Well, this is probably, like, the first, like, really, like, funny satirical cartoon that I remember watching. Because it probably did pave the way for me to watch things like South Park and... I mean, I don't really watch... I've seen some Family Guy. I don't watch that regularly, but I've watched Futurama. So that probably just paved the way for me to kind of have, you know, for that kind of, like, satirical sense of humor. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, there's other, like, you know, pushing even farther into, you know, more adult-oriented animation, you get things like BoJack Horseman. I haven't seen that yet. BoJack Horseman is, you know, very existentially dark. You know, it's about, you know, as, as funny as it is, like definitely not for kids and it's very much about like yeah this guy's a washed up actor struggling with you know real serious you know unresolved traumas and things but he's a talking cartoon horse and it's like oh okay well we're just gonna you know, put it through that lens or there's things like bob's burgers and um there's all kinds of just uh you know adult animation that you know I, the boundary pushing that the simpsons did like you know there will now always be a place for animation that is geared towards uh, an older audience that can, where the form of animation liberates the creator to do things that you, you couldn't do in live action. So when I see these, like every once in a while, some tweet will make the round of like animations for kids. I know they're just trying to get attention on Mm -hmm. Twitter, but it's also like, dude, there's so many examples to prove you wrong. Like, I you know, know. Like cartoons the, are clearly yeah. not just for kids. No, if you have a cartoon that's dropping S bombs and F bombs, it's not for kids. Well, not just the the like the <laughs> content, but again, in terms of like you know naughty bits, but the you know again like dealing with adult subjects. True. Like, and and it's the ability to do that um, again, you know, because of the Simpsons. Uh, you know, really, without the Simpsons, none of this happens. <laughs> but again, it, there there are cool things that cartoons can do. You know, again, I'll, I'll just refer to BoJack Horseman as the best example I can think of right now off the top of my head. That, like, you couldn't do... BoJack Horseman would not work if you did it in live action. Even assuming you took away all of the bits where, like, half of the characters are anthropomorphic animals. You just made mm-hmm. them all people. It wouldn't work the same way. It just wouldn't be the same show. And you couldn't get to the same artistic place without the the ability to use the this particular tools that come with animation so um i think that probably is uh, all we need to say about uh the simpsons treehouse of horror so thank you again for for dropping by i'm sure we'll have you again um, in another episode and you're, thank you for inviting me um so do some let me do some admin stuff real quick so um one if you like the show of course go to itunes and uh rate subscribe tell your friends drop uh, drop a review there uh, all that stuff. Uh, if you listen to podcasts, you've heard everybody at the end of a podcast tells you what to do. So go do it. Uh, and if you want to talk to us, uh, go to at Nostalgium Pod. Um, that is uh, on Twitter. That is where we're we're getting messages and stuff. We're also on Instagram. You can find Nostalgia Arcanum on Instagram as well. But uh, the Twitter uh, handle is going to be the main place to send us feedback for now. And uh, let me just uh, tease next week's episode. We've spent a lot of time talking about parodies this week. 
And we're going to spend a lot of time talking about parodies next week because we're finally done with our Halloween stuff. Uh, but this episode comes out on Halloween, so it's time to say goodbye to spooky stuff. But we're moving on to Weird Al Yankovic, uh, who mm -hmm. uh, I am very nostalgic for and have a lot of fond memories of and a lot of things to say. Same here. Uh, yeah. So uh, until next time, we'll see you in the, this uh, bit another entry in the Nostalgium Arcanum. You're back with your family now where there's nothing to be afraid of. Except that fog that turns people inside out. Huh? Uh-oh, it's seeping in. Stupid cheap weather stripping. <laughs> One. For a sign of people dancing till they make us stop. Two. Many dancing people. 